Scripture says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. But what happens when where you are led doesn't always look triumphant? We're going to talk about that today. This is episode number 44. Are Christians Always Triumphant? Welcome to Unfolding Words. I'm your host, Antracia Moorings, and this is a weekly podcast where I show biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And many people read this verse and walk away feeling victorious because it says that God always leads us in triumph. But I want to read a different version, which will give you different insight into this verse. The ESV says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. But the New Living Translation says, but thank God he made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Now, most of my Christian life, I've heard this verse taught. And what I got out of it is that I am part of the victorious procession that's led by Christ. In other words, I should always have the victory. But somewhere along the way, I've become or had become disenchanted because I realized that not everywhere that God has led me has ended in triumph. So how do we reconcile these two thoughts that God always leads us in triumphal procession, but in our everyday lives, that triumph isn't always manifested or seen clearly? The issue lies in how many of the translators have translated this verse. And I think it's always a good practice to read scripture in various translations because some translations decide how to interpret a verse, even though they're not intentionally trying to interpret, they're really trying to translate. And such is the case with this verse of scripture. So when the original Greek construction of this verse, the Apostle Paul is the direct object, not the subject of the Greek verb for triumph. In other words, Paul is not the one who's leading the triumphal procession. He's not even a co-leader of this procession. Instead, he is one being led in it like a prisoner of war. I'm going to explain this in just a bit. So when you take this translation and couple it with the historical and cultural context of the passage, you get a clear understanding of what this triumphal procession is about. And it gives us a whole different light shed on this scripture. So in chapter two, verses 14 through 16, Paul is hinting at something called the Roman triumph. It was a very important celebration in the ancient world. The triumph was a big parade where the victorious general in Rome who had come back from winning a war was celebrated. It was designed to display the glory of the Roman general and to offer thanks to the god Jupiter for granting victory. And this parade could last for several days and they pulled out all the stops 
for this parade. All of Rome would be in attendance and the city would be decorated to embrace their conquering hero. There would be incense floating through the air from every temple. And the historian Josephus, who was on hand for one of these triumphs, documented it. And he said in his firsthand account, quote, It is impossible to describe the multitude of the shows as they deserve and the magnificence of them all, unquote. So the pageant included plunder that was taken from the enemy, included the victorious soldiers in the procession, and most importantly, captured soldiers who were included in this procession as well. So these captives would be led before the chariot of the conquering general, and they would be mocked and taunted by the onlookers as they went through this procession. And the climax of this procession involved a sacrifice to the Roman deities and then eventually the execution of any of the captives in the forum or the theater. So when you read Second Corinthians in light of this background, the first question you have is why in the world would Paul depict himself as a conquered enemy who's being led by God to his death? It sounds crazy. Like, wouldn't we be one of the victorious soldiers? Why wouldn't we be one of the co-leaders of the parade? Isn't that how we typically read scripture? But what we it seems like as readers of scripture, we always want to put ourselves in God in God's place. The truth is, this is God's story. He's the hero of the book. We would like to be the hero because that's our human nature. We like to exalt ourselves. But God is the hero and he's the victorious one in this parade. And so it would make sense for Paul to paint himself as a conquered enemy. And if you're familiar with Paul's writings, this is exactly how Paul describes himself in 1 Corinthians 4 and 9. It says, For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as human beings. And that was the NIV version that I read. Now, this word spectacle is translated as a theater, and it points to the Roman theaters of that time where various um, feats were performed for the audience as entertainment. And to gratify all of these spectators, they would often kill the people who were in the arena or these captives. So this was common knowledge, and this was the culture of the day. Additionally, Paul often in his writings considered all of mankind to be an enemy of God prior to conversion. So before we became children of God, we were enemies because of sin, because of our sin state. It put us in a position where we were not on God's team, so to speak. So we shouldn't be surprised to see that Paul describes himself as a previously conquered foe. So when we come to 2 Corinthians and we see this analogy of the Roman triumph and the incense-filled parade route that continues in verses 15 and 16, we find that Paul is portrayed or portraying himself and his apostolic ministry as one that is crushed in a sense, meaning that in the crushing, he gives off an aroma of Christ. It's in the crushing that the aroma of Christ is the strongest. And it's kind of a hard image to even embrace because who wants to embrace suffering or a crushing? But we know that's the process for how we receive the anointing or how we receive um, glory, 
of God in our lives. It's through a crushing. Now, this is a very important truth that we have to take hold of, that God ministers more powerfully through our tragedies and our sufferings than in our triumphs. It's in the broken vessel that reveals the treasure within. And we can see this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 12. Now, as I mentioned earlier, various translations give off various um, renditions of this verse. The King James Version, the NASB, and the ESV all communicate the fact that God leads a triumphal parade that we participate in. And this is fine, except it doesn't reveal everything that Paul is trying to portray to us. The way that this phrase is constructed is nearly identical to Colossians 2 and 15, which says, He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In both verses, God is the one who is triumphing and he triumphs in Christ. So even though the grammar corresponds or lines up correctly, the translators chose to go with opposite directions with their interpretations. So one says that triumph in Christians equals a shared victory march, where we see Christ's victorious armies through the city. But we also see that triumph plus evil powers equals being dragged through the streets as captives in humiliation. So let me explain this a little more. So the Greek construction of 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 doesn't actually point to a shared parade, as I explained earlier. It actually leans more towards the translation that says that Paul is describing himself as one of these prisoners. But even though he sees himself as a prisoner of Christ, he sees it as a grace that in his state as a prisoner, he can go with God everywhere and at all times. So God leads us as captives in his parade of triumph in Christ. So the truth is, is that there's really no support for us being co-victors. We really are just the captives, but it's not such a bad place to be in, even though this is this language is hard for us to digest. Because I, as I mentioned, we always want to be the co-victor. We always want to be the hero of the Bible. But the Bible is God's story of redemption, and he's always going to be the hero. So when we say that 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 should be translated, thanks be to God who always leads us as slaves in his triumphal procession in Christ. It actually makes a lot more sense in context instead of the shared parade, shared co-victor interpretation. Because as we see, Paul spends the next few chapters of 2 Corinthians downplaying himself and his ministry, which is characteristic of him. He's not interested in pumping himself up. We see this in 2 Corinthians 3 and 1. He mentions that he's a clay pot full of God's treasure, 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, and he's always being given over to death. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. He also mentions that he's wasting away and afflicted in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. So it would be a little startling for him to start bragging about sharing in Christ's triumph and then going on to spend three to four chapters talking about nothing but struggles. So Paul is trying to encourage the Corinthians about enduring difficulties. Paul doesn't spend his time in this letter giving himself a pep talk and talking about how he's the leader of this victorious parade. His whole point is that he's not on center stage. God is. And we need to remember this as well. So when we read 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 
as it's traditionally read, it makes it sound like we as Christ followers win every single battle. Like no matter what we do, we win. We go on a job interview and we win. We get in relationships and we win. We have financial difficulties, but then we win. But we know that's not always the case. We live in a fallen world and we don't always win. That's just the truth of it. And so when we are preached to that we always win, we always triumph, but then our life doesn't match up with that, then we become disillusioned and a little resentful. There are many times in life when we lose a battle, just like the Roman army lost battles in the enemy country. Terrible things happen to us. We get cancer. Our loved ones die early. So many bad things happen to us that we can't say that we always triumph in every single thing. So although God is always working for the good of those who love him, bad things often happen to good Christians. Battles may be lost for us, but the war has been won by Jesus Christ. And this is where we can take comfort, knowing how the story ends. We march along in life knowing that we will win by resurrection. And even if we are killed in this life, we know that we have another life in Christ waiting for us. That's where the triumph comes in. Now, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, Paul makes a shift in his use of the triumph analogy. So in the first part of the verse, in verse 14, we are the captured ones being led in the triumph. However, in the middle of verse 14, we become the smell of incense that is burning on the altars of Rome. And that word picture is powerful because although the same incense burned on the altars, the smell of it would have meant different things to different people. To the conquering army, it was a sweet smell of success or victory. But to the captives in chains, it meant a death in the arena or slavery, or a living death. In the same way, we as Christ followers, by our life and our testimony, are the smell of life to other Christians, but the smell of death to those who don't believe. And the only way that we can give off an aroma is if we are dead, dead to self, dead to our own way and our old nature. That's what sacrifices are. They're put on the altar and they're burned up. So our old nature has to be burned up, our old way has to be annihilated in order for us to give off the sweet aroma of Christ. I want to share something that commentator Scott Halfman wrote about this. And he wrote, by using this well-known cultural event, the Roman triumph, to describe his own life as an apostle, Paul's point is that as the one being led in triumph, God is leading Paul to his death. As the enemy of God's people, God had conquered Paul at his conversion call on the road to Damascus and was now leading him as a slave of Christ, which was his favorite term for himself as an apostle, to death in Christ in order that Paul might display or reveal the majesty, power, and glory of God, his conqueror. Paul's suffering as a corollary to the embodiment of his message of the cross is the very thing God uses to make himself known. Far from calling his apostleship into question, Paul's point in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 is that his suffering here, portrayed in terms of being led to death in the Roman triumphal procession, is the means through which God is revealing himself. In other words, God continually leads Paul to death in a triumphal procession, and in this way, everywhere reveals the knowledge of him. And that's the end of his commentary on that. So it's the same with us. 
God is continually leading us to death, death to sin in our members, in our bodies, in a triumphal procession so that being moved from our old lives in sin to a new life in Christ reveals the knowledge and the savor and the smell of Christ everywhere. Now, it's true. I would love to be the hero of this triumphal parade, and I'm sure you would, too. But we are former enemies of the cross, former enemies of Christ. And in the Roman triumph, some of the captives would be let go. They would be given another chance to live. This was the case with some of those captives, while others were put to death. This is a strong imagery that we're given a new life in Christ, while at the same time dying to self and on our way to death. We are captives whose lives are being used to spread forth the beautiful aroma of Christ wherever we go. So don't be so discouraged that you're not the co-victor, but be encouraged that our lives are constantly spreading forth the aroma of Christ. So while we may not always be triumphant in every single thing, know that in the end, we will triumph because Christ has won the greatest battle of all the battle against the enemy of our souls. That's it for this week's episode of Unfolding Words. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd love for you to leave a review and a rating. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.